0: Good morning. I don't know if it's been said or not. I think it has, but today is a fifth Sunday, which means it's Family Sunday, which means all the family is here with us this morning in the service, except for the little bitty ones, and they're still over there. So, young people, elementary students, thanks for being out there today. Stay with us. You can add so much to this service, all right? So we're glad you're here. Hey, I want you to keep some folks in prayer today. So much to pray about, there's so much. First of all, we need to pray for people in Haiti. We have a mission there. In a few weeks, I'm gonna be leading a team over so we can assess the damage. You gave, this church gave, and others, uh, a good chunk of money to go assess and to uh, help rebuild some of those homes pray for them. Also pray for the folks in Afghanistan. And there's a lot going on, isn't there? We need to pray for those families of service people who were killed last week. So sad. So sad. We need to pray for veterans. We need to pray for those who are still in the country. And also today we need to pray for those on the Gulf Coast. A storm is coming their way. They say it will be catastrophic damage if it's Uh, Category 4, New Orleans does not need that again. This is the very day, uh, three years ago, five years ago, so many years ago that Hurricane Katrina hit down there. So we don't want that again. And pray for one another. There's so many other things. But hey, I'm going to get started here. So we're in a series called Faith with Doubt, because sometimes we know that you can have faith, but you can still have doubt. You can have faith but still have doubt, still have some questions. We've talked about some symptoms or rather some conditions that have symptoms, conditions that can create fertile ground for doubt. And if that doubt is not dealt with properly, that doubt can lead to an abandonment of the church, an abandonment of the faith. So we don't want that to happen. So we gotta deal with it before it happens. We've talked about things like a bad memory, a muddled memory, you know, when we kinda forget that it was God who brought us here, it's God who's done these things, but we kinda think it's us, that we're the reason for our own success. That's a bad memory. Everybody here should remember what God has brought you through. Give God the glory, give God the credit, never presume or think that you're the reason for your success. If you do that, If you think you're the reason for your success, then when God doesn't come through for you, uh, you're going to be very much let down. We've talked about a partial picture. Remember the blind men who were looking at the elephant to try to see what this thing is like, and they each had a different part of the elephant. Therefore, they all thought this was, their part was the picture of the elephant, When in reality, the elephant was so much more, so much bigger. And your one single picture of God is usually not the total picture of God. So don't let your experience or any person or religion dictate to you exactly what God is like because God is usually so much more than that. We talked about a faulty foundation. A lot of people build their faith on their parents' faith. So there are some young people in here today who would decide whether or not to go to church when they're old enough to go on their own based on what their parents did or didn't do. If they think, well, my parents shoved it down my throat, I'm not doing it. Or if they think, well, my parents went to church, but they didn't really live any kind of a Christian life, they were kind of hypocritical, they're probably not going to do it. If they think, well, this is what my parent expects of me, so I better do it, still those are all secondhand faith, and you're not going to survive a storm in a secondhand faith. You can build your your faith on a a church, a preacher, uh, on your feelings, lots of things, and they're bad foundations, and like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, they're coming down one day. So don't build your faith on a bad foundation. Look for the evidence and be able to say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Last week, I got to preach in Monroe County at a little place called Linside, West Virginia. Anybody ever been to Linside? Everybody, Anybody ever been on Route 219? Route 219, if you, if you go far enough, you'll run through Linside. I preached this sermon that Philip preached here. I preached the sermon about a confused commitment. You know, we have trouble defining commitment. We think commitment is taking one day at a time and that we'll decide when we get there. That's not commitment. Commitment is making a decision today that will determine how I act tomorrow. You see what I'm saying? When I got married 32 years ago, I didn't say, I promise to love you, but I'm gonna take it a day at a time. And if I'm happy that day, I'll love you. But if I'm not happy, I won't love you. That's not commitment, is it? But well, she would have never married me. No, I said for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we we're parted by death. That's a commitment for a lifetime and it's not just about marriage it's about your faith you don't follow God just when it feels good just when it's convenient for you you don't do the right thing just just when it's easy you do it when it's hard because you made a commitment to do it that's a clear commitment now today I'm going to need some of you to help me in fact I'm going to need all of you to help me because we're going to talk about a stalled growth In other words, it's growth, but somewhere along the way it stopped. And because it stopped, we're talking about your faith here. Your faith stopped growing. And because it stopped growing, then when a storm comes in your life, you're going to have trouble withstanding the storm. So I'm going to talk about a storm today. I'm going to talk about it from the Bible. We're going to read a familiar story the story of when Jesus was in a storm with his disciples. But because today is Family Sunday, and I want to get some interaction here, I need five volunteers to help me with this. Now, this is not going to be anything that you're going to have to come up with on your own. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you are embarrassed, it's it's all you. It's not me, okay? So I need five volunteers of any age, any age. I need five volunteers. And you can even come up in groups. Okay, Marshall, here's a volunteer, You can even come up in groups and, and, you know, you can be, the three or four of you, you can be one volunteer. So here's my first one. Who's next? Who's next? Jameson is next. All right. I want you guys to stand up here in the light. Get in the light as he is in the light. Right there. Okay. All right. I need three more. I need three more volunteers. Come on. Come on, kids. Right there in the back. Come on up here. Come on. Bring, bring Martha with you. Bring Martha. That'll be good. All right, come on up here. All right, you guys can stand right here in the middle. You're, you're going to be one group right here, okay? You're going to be one group. The group of girls. All right, Martha wouldn't come. Mike wouldn't come. The little one wouldn't come. All right, all right, Ashley, you stand right here. One, two, three, four. I need one more. Group or individual volunteer? all right. I, I see this fairy girl. She's trying to volunteer. Come on. Is that Lily? Hannah. I see you, Lily. All right. Come on, Hannah. <laughs> Hannah, are you by yourself? Nobody would come up here with you? Oh, where's Hope? I'm right here. Okay. So you, you stand there with the girls. So you, your girls are all going to be one. one two, I still need one. I still need one. Come on. Don't prolong this. We'll be here till 2 o'clock. All right. Over here. Here we go. Come on up here. Dunlap. Just a Dunlap, come on up here, there we go. You stand over here on the other side of Ashley. All right, now we're gonna, we're gonna tell the story this morning from the Bible. All right, what's your name? Katrina. Katrina? Yeah. Like Hurricane Katrina? <laughs> okay, you stand over here, Katrina, a little bit over there, okay. So we got one, Ashley's two, this whole group of girls is three, four, Marshall, Jameson, five. All right, so we're gonna tell the story and when we get to a certain word in the story, you have to do, do what I'm going to tell you to do. You have to, you have to react in a way that I'm going to tell you, all right? When you hear your word, okay? So here's, here's your word. Jameson, you're going to be the disciples, all right? And when you hear the word disciple or disciples, you're going to go, yeah. And you, you guys are going to help him, all right? So when you see that word, you're going to help Jameson, Help me help you, all right? You'll go, yeah, because I'm a disciple, yeah, all right? And um, uh, Marshall, you're going to be the boat. You're going to be the boat, all right? So when you hear the word boat, you're going to go, pull, pull. You guys got it? When you hear the word boat, help Marshall pull. All right, you four girls right here in the middle, when you hear the word Jesus, you're going to go, amen, amen. All right, when you hear the word Jesus, you're going to go, amen. Raise your hands and say, amen. All right, right. Uh, Ashley, when you hear the word wave or waves, you're going to go, ah, like a big wave's coming, ah, all right? And Katrina, when you hear the word wind, you're going to go like this, all right? Everybody got it? Jameson? Disciples, boat, Jesus, wave, wind. You guys help them out. All right, here we go. Here's the story. The disciples were, oh, pitiful (laughs) disciples, pitiful. They were just exhausted. All day, crowds and crowds of people had been following Jesus listening as he taught and watched as he healed the sick. Now the sun was beginning to set over the Sea of Galilee. Seeing how tired his disciples were, Jesus said, Let's get in a boat and go over to the other side of the lake. It would be good for all of them to get away from the crowds for a while. The disciples rowed away from the shore while Jesus went to the front of the boat and laid down on a cushion. You guys ready over here? Get ready. The waves weren't so gentle anymore. The little boat began to pitch and rock. The disciples, pitiful disciples, The disciples began to get a little worried, but Jesus still lay sleeping in the front of the boat. Then the wind. I can't hear that. Okay. The wind grew stronger still. The spray from the waves got the disciples all wet. This was going this was getting to be a bad storm, but Jesus still lay sleeping in the front of the boat. Oh, oh. By the time the fishing boat reached the center of the lake, the wind, the wind the wind, had turned into an angry gale that whipped the waves so high they washed right over the boat. The disciples were terrified. They thought they might drown. But Jesus still lay sleeping in the front of the boat. Finally, someone went and shook Jesus. Master, he cried, don't you care if we drown? Jesus looked around. He listened to the howling wind. He felt the cold, stinging spray as waves. Crashed over the little boat. Jesus saw the fear in the faces of his disciples. Then Jesus stood up, stretched out his arms to the wind and the waves. Then he asked the disciples, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Jesus showed his power over the wind and the waves That day on the Sea of Galilee, just as he cared for his disciples in that little storm-tossed boat, he will care for you. Didn't they do a great job? Let's hear it for them. All right. Thanks, guys. You can go back and be seated. All right. So that is the story. And we're talking about stalled growth, which is a growth that has stalled out and stopped growing. And the question that Jesus asked the disciples is the same question he's asking you today in your storm and me in my storm, he asked it to them in their storm. And here's the question, say it with me, here we go. Where is your faith? Where's your faith? Jesus asked that question. Now it must have been pretty cool for these disciples to spend time with Jesus. I mean they got to walk with him and talk with him. They got to eat with him and spend every waking moment with him for about 3 years. It would have been an awesome thing. I mean unless he was separated up on the mountain to pray, the disciples were with him. They saw everything. They they saw everything he saw. They saw him see everything he saw. They saw his expressions. They heard the sounds he made, they, they smelled things together. I mean, it was an intimate three-year experience for these guys. And I, I, just, I just think there were moments that we don't even have recorded in the Bible where they were, they were having heart-to-hearts and they were having one-on-ones. They were just talking and sharing about the storms of their day. You know, I've been talking about the, the Chosen series This series that uh, is free out there if you download the app or you can buy it in different places, but it's free on the app. And I've decided that in November, we're going to preach an entire series, just four sermons on this uh, title, on this series that you can watch. And we're going to show at every campus, we're going to show The Chosen. There's two seasons, I think maybe 18 episodes or something. We're going to show this at... Every campus in the month of November. So if you haven't watched it by then, then you'll be able to come out and watch it then on a night that we'll we'll let you know about with the with you know the popcorn and everything, and we're going to watch this and we're going to meet Jesus all over again. And we're going to what I tell people it helps you fall in love with Jesus all over again. But it helps you see how these first century people, these disciples, would have reacted, how they would have seen Him. It's so good, and if. If you had an opportunity to sit with Jesus and if you had an opportunity to share the storms of your life, and the things that are going on, there's so much going on in our world today, isn't there? I mean, there's so much weighing down our hearts and our souls, and there's so much to, to pray about, so much anxiety that we have today because of the things going on in our world, all over the world. I mean, not just Haiti and Afghanistan and, and things that are happening in our country and, and, and you know, natural disasters, so many things, and there's things going on in your life too, things that aren't making the headline news. Things that nobody else knows about but you, but they're storms. And it's like somebody said, you're either coming out of one, you're in one, or you're headed for one. Storms are a part of our life. We're going through a lot of storms. And so I think if we were able to tell Jesus these things and just, we kind of pour out our heart to him, you know, and we're, we're all kind of worried. You know what I think he would say to us? I think he would ask the same question to us that he asked to his disciples, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Now, this is kind of like going to a store with your kid. You go to the store with your kid, and uh, they come up to you with this plastic thing, and they say, hey, mommy, I want this. Buy this for me. And uh, you look down at this little face that you gave birth to, and you pinch those cheeks and slobber all over that face and you've seen it frown and smile and you know, you love that little face and there's nothing you wouldn't do for that face whether child or grandchild and you look at that little face when she's holding up that little plastic thing and she says, mommy, I need this. Will you buy this for me? And you asked her the question, Where is your money? Where is your money? Because I know you got money. I give you an allowance. I know grandma gave you some money. Where is your money? Because here's the connection you need to make, and it's the same connection the disciples had to make. The connection is you got money, you want the thing. Now's the time to spend the money to get the thing. You have faith, a storm is happening, now's the time to use your faith in the storm. Yet so many people don't know how to do that. And the storm just tosses them about and it just wears them down and they're exhausted, they're not sleeping at night, they're struggling, they're on medications just for their anxiety and to be calm because they're so worried and upset about so many things. And we're not talking about the big things that are on the news, things, things in our life. And so Jesus says, where is your faith? Where's your faith? Because now is the time you need to use the faith. Faith. You know, faith, the Bible says, is a gift from God. It's not anything you can conjure up It's nothing you're going to stumble over. It's not anything you can create faith, Ephesians 2.8 says, is the gift of God. Well, when does God give us this faith? Well, the Bible tells that too. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the Bible says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when do you get this gift of faith? When you hear the word of God preached what's happening there? The Holy Spirit is working with the Word of God on your heart. Let's imagine it for a minute like a UPS driver at your home. UPS driver drives up. He stops the vehicle in front of your house. He's got a package. He gets out. Now, I know UPS drivers don't have to knock on your door anymore. They can just throw it in the bushes or throw it on your porch. Or Mine sometimes will put it in the garage, you know, on the on the trash can right there, uh, if the garage door's open. But let's, let's assume for a minute they have to knock on the door. And they have to knock on your door, and they, you come to the door, and they say, hey, I have a package for you, and this package is from so-and-so, and it, it, it's yours, it's got your name on it right here. And so you have a choice there, you can receive that package, you can receive the gift, or you can shut the door and say, I'm not falling for that scam. I'm not going for that, get off my porch. Well, imagine the Holy Spirit is like that UPS driver, and he's got a package called faith to deliver to you. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door, I will come in and I will eat with him. So this analogy is kind of true to the Bible, the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit's bringing this package called faith to your house. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You come to the door, and the Holy Spirit's telling you about this package. That's called the gospel. The gospel is the word of God. Remember, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And he says, I've got this package. This is what this package is. Somebody died for you. Somebody loves you. Somebody gave their blood, their life for you, and 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 he wants you to have this gift. Now, not not every time the gospel is shared with the Holy Spirit do people accept it. A lot of people reject the gospel. A lot of people reject faith. S- but sometimes people open the door and they say, Oh, I want faith. I want this faith. And they'll take it and, you know, they'll open it and they'll polish it, and they set it up on a shelf. They say, whoa, I got it. <laughs> I got faith. But then when a storm comes in their life, that's where their faith is, and they don't really know because they haven't really been involved in the church. They haven't gotten involved with their faith. They don't know how to read the Bible. They've never really prayed. They've never really done anything. So their faith is essentially just a dead gift sitting up there. you ever got something that you, a gift that you never used? I'm not talking about something that you didn't like. I'm talking about something that you really loved, but you never used it. When Jennifer and I got married over 32 years ago, 32 years, my Uncle Chris, she sits right over there when she's in here for service, my Uncle Chris gave us a gift, and it was a, it was a set of crystal glasses. You know, they were. it wasn't just glass, it was crystal. It was a beautiful, beautiful. And we realized immediately, you know, we were, we were just kids, and we didn't have anything worth anything, you know, everything we had was given to us. So this was the most expensive thing we had in our life, you know, tangible. So you know what we did with that? We put it up on a shelf, all of them. And you know where, I asked her the other day in preparation for the sermon, I said, where's that crystal glass set that Uncle Chris gave us? She says it's still up on the shelf, back behind the, we don't even have glass where you can look at it, it's back there. I meant to bring one here with me today, but if you come to my house, warn me in advance, okay? If you come to my house, we can get it down and have a glass of milk in it if you'd like to. Oh, it's not doing us any good. It's up on the shelf. Some people do their faith like that. That's the way they do their faith. James says, faith without works is dead. Once you receive the gift of faith, it leads you to other things. You know, the Bible says even the demons have faith, even they believe, it's not saving faith, it's just simple belief. Once you get faith, that leads you to repentance. I want to change my life. That leads you to baptism. You know, I want to show everybody that I've got this thing called faith. That leads you to forgiveness and A life of serving the Lord. You see, once you receive the gift of faith, it leads you to the other steps that are so essential, so important to you living your life with faith. That's why we call the plan of salvation faith, confession, repentance, baptism, living a life. But some people just receive faith and they're just happy there. They just kind of sit and look at it and bring it to church and dust it off, and they set it out and let people look at it. Oh, you got faith, but then when they get home, they put it back on the shelf. They haven't done anything with it. So faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't work it out, it will, you know this word atrophy? It will die. It'll die. And what I want to tell you about this morning with the rest of my time I want to help you answer this question where is your faith by showing you how to grow your faith in a storm. Storms coming your way, trust me. It might not be for a few years. It might be later today. But a storm is coming your way. And it's going to knock you down. You're going to question everything you ever knew. You're going to you're going to be crying in desperation you're going to be praying and be reaching out for people a storm is coming your way I'm going to pray that storm for us is not a big storm a little storm that's what we want don't, don't we all want little storms nobody wants a big storm but we all want a big faith and sometimes you can't get a big faith unless you come through a big storm so a storm's coming how do you grow your faith three things number one Factor in the ability of God. Now you think about these disciples. This is Luke chapter 8, 22 to 25. They're in the boat. Storm comes. They're panicked. They're like, oh, my goodness, we're going to drown. Don't, don't you care we're going to drown? That's the way I I think we're doing right now in this world. It's like, God, don't you care what's going on here? It's happening there. It's happening over there. Man, it's our whole world is unraveling. and That's what's going on in my family, my life, my marriage, my kids, my grandkids. All this stuff is happening. God, don't you care? And we're panicked. We haven't factored in the ability of God. These disciples had been with Jesus for a little while now. It's just Luke 8. It's not Luke. Twenty-eight. There is no Luke 28, but there's not late in the ministry. It's early, but Jesus had already, just if you will go back and read Luke chapter four through 822, you'll see that Jesus had, he had cast the demon out of a man. He had healed many people of some terrible sickness. And one day they were going into a city called Nain and a funeral procession was coming out. A widow had lost her only son, and Jesus went over there and said, What's going on? He found out the deal and he raised this boy back from the dead. And the disciples were witnesses of all these things. The end of Luke chapter 7, Jesus forgave sins. So, just right there, look, Jesus had power over demons, power over sickness, disease, he had power over death, and he had power over sin. That's Pretty big power right there. And the disciples were first-hand witnesses to everything. They knew what he could do. This storm was no big deal. It was no big deal. If it had been a big deal, do you think Jesus has been taking a nap? We're gonna take a nap later on today, aren't we? That's right, amen, I'm taking one. We're gonna take a nap. And you know why when I take a nap, I can rest easy? Because God's in control. I mean, if I, if, I, if I had to stay awake to keep everything going in this world and keep everything from crashing down, I'd never sleep, would you? Jesus taking a nap. Let me tell you something. When you factor in the ability of God in your storm, it changes everything. It's like whatever I thought was impossible is now possible. With God, all things are possible. We read in our focus verse, he can do immeasurably more. Listen, when I tell you, when you're in a storm, God is able. He's able. What do you you think is not possible? What is not possible? Now, that leads me to this next thing, because God doesn't always do what you want him to do. So, we have to submit to the sovereignty of God. If you only if you only factor in his ability, then what you got is a superhero. You got a God that swoops in when the storms come up, when the when the mountains crashing in, when the waves are crashing and he comes in and saves the day. That's my God, that's my Jesus, he's my superhero. And that's That's okay, but it's not the full picture of God. God is not just a superhero who is able to do whatever he wants to do. God's in charge. He's in control. He's sovereign. Could it be that the very storm you are in, he wants you to be in? That kind of blows our mind, doesn't it? Whose idea was it to go to the other side of the lake? Jesus. Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake. You think he knew about the storm? Sure he did. And he took a nap. He's sovereign. I think there are some storms that God allows us to go through. There are things that happen. God didn't have it in his plan for you. I mean, you know, when when, uh, things happen to children that just should not happen, abusive kind of things, things we won't talk about now because it's Family Sunday. That's not God's plan. God doesn't write that into his plan. That's not what God wants, that's evil. That comes from the pit of hell. There are some things, some storms that we go through in this life that God allows us to because that's the world we live in. We live in a broken, fallen world where people have freedom of choice Evil exists because of that freedom of choice. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible price to pay, but it has to be that way because love cannot exist if there is no freedom of choice. God wants a relationship with you. He wants. He's crazy in love with you. He loves you so much. He gave his son to die for you. He's in charge, God is not just able but he is in charge. J.C. Ryle, the 18th century English theologian said so much about this, he said trials are intended to make us think, to wean us from the world, to send us to the Bible, to drive us to our knees. He goes on to say, the harvest of the Lord's field is seldom ripened by the sunshine only. It must go through its days of wind, rain, and storm. And in a sermon on this very passage, Luke 8, 22 to 25, he said, the storms of winter often bring out the defects in a man's dwelling, and sickness often exposes the gracelessness of a man's soul. Surely anything that makes us find out the real character of our faith is good. You see, he said, storms are necessary, and sometimes God allows you to go through them, and sometimes God leads you into them. When the apostle Paul prayed to the Lord three times to remove the storm in the flesh, Jesus answered in 2 Corinthians 12, he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness." You see, when we factor in his ability and we trust or submit, rather, to his sovereignty, that's when we're getting down to biblical faith and not just positive thinking. It's not what you can do. It's all about what he can do, and it's about what he is doing. You know, the perfect story for this is in the Old Testament, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the story, these three Hebrew children? And, uh, you know, they were kind of friends with the, with the king, but some people ratted him out because they wouldn't bow to his image. He built this great big image and they wouldn't bow. And the king came to him and said, bring him in, let's talk to him. And he said, look, you guys got to bow to my image. If you don't bow, I'm gonna throw you in a fiery furnace and then you're gonna die. And they're like, Woo. right? So my paraphrase is they said, we don't care. Throw us in the fire. And they said two things that really mattered. Number one, they said, if you throw us in the fire, our God is able to deliver us. He's able. He can do anything he wants to do. Whenever he wants to do it, however he wants to do it, for as long as he wants to do it. And here's the second thing they said. Even if... He does not deliver us. We will not worship your image. We will only worship him. You see how they were factoring in his ability? He's able. But even if he doesn't, that doesn't mean he's abandoned us. That doesn't mean we're going to abandon him. He's still God. We're still going to worship him as God. See, some storms God allows and sometimes God leads us into the storm that brings me to the last thing here. You want to grow your storm in faith? Uh, <laughs> your faith in the storm? You don't want to grow the storm. You want to grow your faith in a storm? Factor in his ability. He's able. Submit to his sovereignty. He's in charge. You can, you can bet on that. The last thing is trust in his goodness. Trust in his goodness. Back to Luke 8. I can almost imagine when they woke Jesus up, Jesus got up. You know, he's like, come on, guys. And they're fighting the boat, you know, trying to stay afloat and bailing out water and they're thinking they're gonna drown, you know, they're over there writing their last will and testament, all this stuff going on. Jesus stands up, he yawns, stretches. He says, guys, what's, what's happening here? What's going on? Where's your faith? And they're like, Oh, yeah, we forgot, we're with you. You're in charge, we've seen this. Over the last several weeks, we know you got this. We just lost it there for a moment. We had a brain freeze there in that stormy moment. And we know you love us. And you, We know nothing is gonna happen to us that you're not gonna allow or that you don't want to happen to us. We trust in his goodness. I love Romans eight twenty eight. This says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him and who have been called according to His purpose. You see, the only reason we're able to factor in His ability and submit to His sovereignty is because we know He cares for us. We know He's good. He's a good, good Father. He loves us. Because we know that, God, whatever, whatever you allow me to go through, whatever you lead me into, I know you got this and it's going to be for my good. That's what God wants for you and your storm, the one that's coming, the one you're in. That's what he wants for you. He wants good. Trust him. If you don't, then you'll doubt him and you'll throw the towel in. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for faith in a storm. We pray, God, right now that you would strengthen our faith, that we'd take it off the shelf and we wouldn't put it back on the shelf, but we'd, wear it on our sleeves and our shoulders and our forehead. And it would come out in the way we think. And it would come out in the way we speak. And it would come out in the way we pray. And it would come out in the way we serve. And it would come out in everything, in every way, our faith. So that when people looked at us and they saw us in this great big storm. And they saw saw how unfazed we were. They would say, wow, that is great faith. I want that. For my life. That's my prayer in Jesus' name.